Good morning. Happy New Year to you all. I'm glad that you're here this morning on the first Sunday of the new year. And um, I, I wasn't really planning on doing this, but um, I just want to let you know, um, by the way, my name's Todd. For those of you I don't know, sorry, just jumped right in there, didn't I? Uh, my name's Todd. For those of you I don't know, I'm the pastor here, um, one of the pastors, and I'm glad that you're here uh, with us this morning. Um, I want to uh, begin, this is the part that I wasn't planning on doing, um, is I just want to begin by letting you know how much um, uh, joy I have in being your pastor. And uh, I'm very thankful for, for you and for the opportunity to um, lead this church. And I was just listening as you all worshiped, and that was one of the most beautiful things I've heard in a long time, and I'm just thankful for that. So thank you for your worship this morning. Um, I am, uh, I'm not a gambling guy. I don't play poker and, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not, this isn't me being high and mighty. Um, it's just not something I've ever struggled with. Um, some of you are like, man, that is really disappointing. And some of you are like, thank goodness. Um, so I've just never been a poker player. We, um, one New Year's Eve, played as a family, like with a bunch of our family members, not for money, okay, just for fun. And it was a game, okay, just a game. Um, just so, you know, if there's any questions, it was just a game, okay, don't, don't worry. Um, and I lost terribly. I'm, I guess I don't have a poker face. And so um, I'm not a, a big poker guy. Um, but I do know what the word all in means, right? Some of you know what all in means. Um, at any given time in a game of poker, someone who is playing will take everything that they have, all that they have, all of the chips or money or whatever they've accumulated throughout that game, and they'll push it in the middle and they'll say, all in. And they're risking everything they have, trusting that that current hand is going to get them through. And they put everything all in. Um, one of the things that I've seen, not just in the lives of others, but in my life um, as a Christ follower, is that I, I think that we as Christ followers sometimes have the tendency to um, over-categorize our lives a bit. Um, th this is how this goes. It's pretty simple. Um, we, we come up with this idea that there's kind of two pots, um, two boxes in our, in our lives. There's the Christian stuff, you know, the spiritual stuff, that we have in, in one category, and then over here in another category, we have the personal stuff. Um, you know, over here, we've got all the spiritual stuff, going to church, being involved in a life group, um, which you'll hear a lot about here over the course of the next month or so. Um, you, you know, bringing your Bible to church and, you know, spending time with God and, and maybe reading his word or maybe praying and um, we, you know, try not to cuss too much and stuff like that, you know, things that we think are the right way to live. And that's the spiritual stuff of life. And then over here, we have like all of our personal stuff, um, our, our homes, our possessions, um, our clothes, our iPads, our iPods, our whatever Nexus, whatever it is right now out. Like we have all of our stuff, our money, what little investment money we have left over the last six or seven years. We have all of our stuff over in this category. And what I've observed in my own life, in my own life, and in the lives of other Christ followers, is there's a tendency to try to separate as much as we can. Like, I don't want my spiritual stuff getting into my personal stuff. And I don't want my personal stuff getting over here into my spiritual stuff. I want to keep them separate. 
and we're fearful that like if we take our spiritual stuff and bring it over to our personal stuff, then it won't really be mine anymore. It won't really truly be mine because I want my stuff to remain mine. And I don't want my stuff coming over here to my spiritual stuff because, you know, then the cool stuff that I like and that I love and that I, that I paid money for and that I have resources for, it becomes spiritual. And then it's, again, not really mine. And so we have this fear that one is going to kind of leak into the other. And so we do everything we can to separate those two categories. I've done it. I'm sure that you, if you're a Christ follower in here, you've done it. And we have this dilemma, and I think what we do is when we do that, when we try to keep those two categories separate, we make a very, very serious, fatal, spiritual mistake. Because I think, as I read Scripture, and I believe as I read God's Word, that what God wants for our lives is for us to be all in in terms of every part of our life. He wants us to be wholehearted, completely whole, with not just the spiritual stuff, not just that stuff that's like God stuff, but also the other parts of our lives, those things that we perceived that we have accumulated over the years. And the problem is that the fatal mistake that we make is when we separate those things, we end up looking like a big puzzle. Pieces everywhere, we've got parts of it that are spiritual and parts of it that are personal, this stuff, that stuff, and God wants us to be wholehearted. He wants us to be all in in terms of what he wants for our lives. In this series that we're kicking off today, it's a four-part series, um, we're going to discuss that. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about our personal stuff and what it means to be all in in terms of God using us wholeheartedly. And that's why we named this series that. You'll hear from myself, you'll hear from Cody twice in this series, our student pastor. And um, we are going to be discussing several different questions or helping to answer several different questions from God's Word do we absolutely trust God? Do we really, really trust God? Are we extravagant in our generosity? Are we serious about how we spend our time? And do we acknowledge God's work and is working in our financial resources? And so as we journey through this series, some of you may come to the conclusion that, man, I'm, I'm not really all in. I'm not really wholehearted in what I'm bringing to God, what I'm giving to God. I've got my spiritual stuff, and i got my personal stuff, and I kind of like it that way. And so the point of this series is really to expose that in all of our lives, me included, and to help walk through God's Word and what His Word says about being all in in terms of our commitment to Him. Now this morning what I want to do is I want to begin this series by establishing what I believe is the um, most foundational principle when it comes to what God wants with our stuff, and that is trust. And I've found in my own life, I've found in the lives of others that I've talked to, that I've counseled with, that I've spent time with, that when it comes to our personal stuff and keeping those two things separate, that at the core uh, of, of the matter, at the heart of the matter, down deep down inside, what exists at the found, most foundational level is a trust issue. 
Um, I play golf. Uh, some of you know that. I talk about it quite often. I actually try not to talk about it too much. I haven't played a lot lately because I'm getting old and I have tendonitis, but I play golf, and I played um, on New Year's Eve with a friend, Daniel. You've met Daniel, and um, Daniel's really good. He's really, he's like a four handicap or less, and I'm like a much higher um, handicap. So anyway, and for those of you who don't know, that means he's good and I'm bad. Um, and I play golf with um, guys, and when I play golf with guys that are a lot better than I am, um, they'll say this to me, and they realize they don't realize it's a backhanded compliment. They'll say, "Man, you have a great swing. You just don't trust the club." I'm like, "Thanks, that's cool. I have a great swing. I just don't trust the club." So what you're saying is, I really don't have a good swing. So thanks. Um, but um, it's really true. There's an element that I need to trust that the club is going to do the work because I want to think that I'm responsible for a good golf shot. And you know, when it comes to our stuff, our personal stuff, I think we really might, at the core of it, have a trust issue. We want to control. We want to oversee. We want to own. We want to have everything to do with our stuff. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to give up and trust him with it. Um, we trust things all day long, don't we? I mean, think about it. We go through life trusting in a number of different things. We're standing, or you're sitting here in this building today, and we're trusting that the steel is put together uh, well enough that it's going to hold up the roof. Hopefully, right? Yep, okay. We, I, we did have experts look at that when we came in, and uh, it's all good, so don't worry. Don't get up and leave. You'll disprove my point. Um, but uh, we trust that everything's not going to cave into us in our houses and that sort of thing. Um, we trust a, a surgeon that we may go to or a doctor that we may go to because uh, he has a diploma on his wall from a, a certain uh, a college or medical school. We trust that he's going to take care of us. We trust the bank when we put money in the checking account. We trust that that bank is going to take care of our money for a period of time until we use it, all of it. And then we trust that bank to take care of our stuff, take care of our money. Um, we trust that the red light won't switch to red too soon um, as we're going through 278 on one of our many very safe uh, lights out there. And um, so we trust all these things all throughout the day, sometimes many times a day, we trust our, our lives, our, our safety, our money, our resources to other things. And, and there are many, maybe perhaps most of you in this room, who even place your eternal life, the trust of your eternity, in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news, which means gospel. That's the gospel of, of Jesus, that God sent his son uh, to die on the cross so that you and I can have eternal life. He saved us from our sins. And many of you are in here today, and you've made the decision to trust in Jesus for eternity. But the problem is, is that sometimes, quite often, actually, we have a hard time making that trust leap from trusting God for eternal life to trusting him with all of our stuff. And so at the core of the issue is oftentimes an issue of trust. Now the type of trust that I'm talking about this morning is the type of trust in God with our personal stuff that's in every day, every hour, through good times and especially bad, type of relentless trust. It's a, hey, I'm not going to give up on God kind of relentless day in and day out trust that he is a going to take care of me 
and that he is going to take care of all of my stuff. Now, sometimes stuff is referring to material possessions. Sometimes it is referring to uh, those talents and those abilities that God has given you to be able to do what you do in your occupation. And many of you have uh, developed over the years great careers and great jobs, and, and that's part of your stuff. You know, your education and those skills that you've developed. And we have to trust God as hard as it is with that sometimes. There are some of you in here who, like me a number of years ago, um, really began to have my trust in God with my stuff um, kind of wash away. And, and, and so my challenge or, or my prayer is, is that throughout this series, you'll be challenged to, to really get back to that place where you really truly trust God with your personal stuff. And then there are some of you who are in, to, in here today and you get it. You understand what it means to trust God with your stuff, so much so that you're willing to give it away. And there are those of you who are in here today and you volunteer with your time. You volunteer with Second Helping, with Deepwell, who we're helping as a church this year. You go on missions trips. Some of you are going to be going to Belize this summer. You get it because you're able to easily give away your stuff for the kingdom of God. Many of you work in Island Kids and you're life group leaders and you do things, you're on the worship team, you do things that indicate that you trust God. Some of you give financially on a regular basis. This past fall, I uh, talked to you about how when we moved into this building that we as a church were going through a financial pinch and I asked you to pray about what you would do um, to help us out and um, God uh, worked in your life and in the life of this church and we've gotten through a very tight period of time over these last few months. In fact, um, on Christmas Eve, I don't know if you realize this, how many of you were here the Monday of Christmas Eve? Were there a few of you that were here? It was standing room only, wasn't it? Um, and so next year there'll be more services. But on Christmas Eve, we had all told uh, uh, Sunday morning and Monday night, kids and everything, 644 people in our building. And that's awesome news, absolutely, you can clap. The better news is, is that nine people made decisions for Jesus Christ, and that's the really good news. But even um, our offerings on those last two Sundays were pretty amazing. Um, on Christmas Eve, um, many of you gave, and um, we brought in uh, over $21,000, nearly $21,000 that weekend. That's $11,000 over what our weekly need is. That is a group of people who get it. The next week, you gave $14,000. That is a group of people who get it. So there are some of you in here today that your life is indicating that you understand trusting God with your stuff. And my encouragement and my challenge would be to keep on doing what you're doing. We're all going to be challenged over the course of these next few weeks in several different ways. The question that I want to begin today with as we take a look at the notes is when it comes to your personal stuff, do you really trust God? Take a look at your notes this morning. We're going to dive in, and I've got a three-step process that I want to introduce to you. Um, this process, I believe, um, needs to be done in order, um, and this might be maybe the most practical teaching that I've done in, in quite some time, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a, a scalable, buildable process that will help you to have the type of relentless trust that we need to have when it comes to being wholehearted, all in with all that God has entrusted us with. First of all, take a look at your notes. Relentless trust is possible when I recognize all I have 
belongs to God. Relentless trust is possible for a Christ follower when I recognize all I have belongs to God. We can summarize that by saying he owns it all. I want you to say that with me today, okay? Are you ready? He owns it all. So you see this tension that we have between what we think is spiritual and what we think is personal stuff? The tension really is meaningless because why? He owns it all. Every part of it, every part of you, he owns it all. The writer of 1 Chronicles talks about this in 1 Chronicles 29, 11. He says this, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. And then he ends it by saying this, for all, say that with me, all that is in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted above all. It's all his anyway. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the one that put everything into place. He's the one that gives us life, and he owns it all. A few years ago, I um, got my first smartphone. I got an iPhone. It was, uh, I guess, the second generation of iPhone. And the kids were, I think, about three and six. And um, my kids um, like to play on my iPhone a lot. And they immediately, within like a few weeks, they had this thing figured out better than I did. Um, and I realized that when I picked up my iPhone one day and all the icons were all over the place and they were in different categories and they had done stuff to my iPhone, I didn't even know like what to do with it. And so um, I realized um, in that moment that they think they own my iPhone. <laughs> even this morning, Sean goes, Daddy, I'm waiting patiently for your iPhone. <laughs> they think they own the phone. And I, I know it because they switch. I, I also, those phones, when you get them back from your kids, um, they're just covered in grub and kid grime, aren't they? <laughs> so anyway, they think they own my phone. And I remember one time looking for my phone, and I couldn't find it. I knew where to go. And I went to his room, and there it was. And I called my kids in, and one of my most proud parenting mature moments, I said, hey, guys, this is my phone. I want you to know it's my phone. a lot of irony there. He owns it all. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. God doesn't have to continually remind us that he owns it all. He relies and trusts that we're going to get that concept. He talks about it in scripture, but he doesn't constantly remind it. Hey, that's mine. That's mine. He relies on us and trust is built between us and God. All of your stuff, all the things that you've worked so hard for, your homes, your cars, all the stuff you might have got for Christmas, your clothes, all of it, your talents, your family, your marriages, it all belongs to God. Being all in and being wholehearted begins with trusting God, and that trust begins when we realize that He owns it all. Secondly, Relentless trust is possible for a Christ follower when I recognize that I am accountable for what God has given me. You see, he owns it all, but scripture is clear from, on the fact that we have a role. I have a role. I want you to say that with me. Ready? I have a role. 
You see, it's not my stuff. It's really his stuff, and he gives it to us to manage, and I have a role. And when I come to the realization that not only does he own it all, but I have a role, then trust is further developed. I remember as a um, a 13-year-old boy, um, my dad traveled a lot, and he would usually leave on Sunday night or Monday morning and come back on Friday. And I loved my dad. He made the most of every weekend. But occasionally, he'd have to be gone for a two-week period of time or 10 days or something like that. And when I was 13, I remember we were living in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and I remember my dad coming to me. We had a big yard, big yard, um, lots of grass. And he came to me and he said, hey, son, this week you are in charge of cutting the grass. And he gave me the job that weekend to cut the grass. What I didn't realize is that that was the last time pretty much my dad cut the grass while I was living in their house, okay? Good parenting there, Dad. But anyway, um, he, he um, gave me the job of cutting the grass, and I took it very seriously, and I did it that weekend. I don't think I ever did it well again, but I did it that weekend really well. And you know what it did? It built trust. He trusted me. He trusted me to do it. And so my trust in him was increased because he trusted me to do that. The first glimpse of this idea of stewardship, the fact that we have a role and what God is doing comes all the way back at the beginning of Genesis. In Genesis 1.28, right after he's made man and woman, and God says this in Genesis 1.28, and God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, from the beginning of time, God has entrusted man with his creation. And he entrusts us not only with creation, but all of the things that we think are my stuff. He entrusts us with. If he gives us a talent, we should seek to improve it. If he gives us the type of personality that connects well with other people, we ought to use it to share about him. If he gives us the ability to lead well, then we ought to develop followers and help turn them into leaders. If he gives us financial resources, We're supposed to invest those and make a return on it. I have a role in what God is doing. Jesus tells this story. It's the story of the talents. You might have heard about it. It's from Matthew 25. And it shows what God's intent is for us. Take a look at Matthew 25, verse 14. Jesus tells a story for it'll be like a man going on a journey. And he calls his servants. And he entrusted them, to, to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. Five talents were uh, a form of, of money, uh, 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 of commerce. Um, to, uh, to, another two, uh, he gave, to another, he gave two uh, according to his own ability. And then and to one, he gave one. Uh, he who had received the five talents, verse 16, went at once and traded with them. And he made how many more? Five more. He invested what the master had given him and came back with five more. Verse 17, so also he who had the two talents made how many? Two more. He invested it wisely and made two more. But he who had received one talent, you know where this is going, he dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, verse 19 says, the master of those servants came in and settled the accounts with him. Uh-oh, we know where this is going. Okay, verse 20, he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, 
good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. I will set, over, set you over much. Enjoy, enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22, and he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. I bring you two more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24, he who had also received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you don't sow and gathering where you didn't plant seed. So I was, what? Afraid. I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. And he returned one talent. And look what the master says. He answered, he said, you wicked and slothful servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Sometimes our biggest struggle with giving our stuff up to God and managing it is fear it's fear and that passage goes on to say that the master banished that servant he sent him away to a place of darkness i want to ask you the question this morning which servant do you want to be you want to be the one that received five and made ten you want to be the one that received two and made four or do you want to be the one who received one buried it in the ground because he was fearful and didn't do a thing with it I, uh, I've been through a period of time in my own life where I felt like that last servant. I'm just going to be real honest with you. And I know the harsh reality is, is that there are some of you who are here today um, who, if you were really honest with yourself, would say, man, I've squandered what God's given me. I've been there. I know how that feels. I know the guilt of that. I know the pressure of that. And I had a lot of years allowing my money and my life to manage me rather than me managing it for the glory of God. And um, things turned around for, for me and for my family, for Cynthia, um, when we got our financial affairs in order. And we realized, I realized, I realized that he owns it all and that I have a role in managing that. And so um, I went to Financial Peace University, which we offered here at the time at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and I learned good principles. I learned good principles on how to manage money. And since I'm stubborn and hard-headed, I went twice um, to this class. And um, so here's my challenge to those of you who are in here today, and you say, hey, I've identified, I'm, I, if, if I'm really honest, if I just stripped all of my pride away, I'm really like that, that last servant. And I've dug my talent and what God is, wants me to use, I've dug it in the ground. If you're here today and you're like that, um, get over the guilt, get over the pride factor. I, it's hard, I know, I understand that. Um, and I want to encourage you to be a part of Financial Peace University. Um, Cynthia mentioned it earlier, but in the back at our guest service desk, there's an area for you to give your information um, where they will follow up with you. You're not signing up today. It costs a little bit of money. You're not signing up today, but it is a, an opportunity for you to find out more information. And um, our leaders of our, we're having several different classes and our leaders will be in touch with you. I want to encourage you. Once you realize that he owns it all, once you realize that I have a role, find out what it takes to manage that well 
and get involved in Financial Peace University. Thirdly, relentless trust is possible for a Christ follower when I recognize I cannot control every aspect of my life. I'm not in control. Why don't you say that with me here on the first Sunday in January, okay? I'm not in control. Ah, uh, you've just entered a new world. Okay, um, I am the world's worst backseat driver. Right, Cynthia? I'm the world's worst backseat driver. I'm not a real good driver anyway. And those are the worst kind of backseat drivers. There's a little something going on right over here that I'm concerned about. <laughs> I'm the worst backseat driver. But there's a reason why. Is when I'm in the backseat or even in the passenger seat, I'm not in control. I want to be in control of the vehicle that's driving not fast enough, probably, for my taste, but um, I, I want to be in control, and I don't like it when things are out of control. Guess what? That's life. That's life. God doesn't ever promise that we're going to be in control. In fact, Scripture indicates that he's got it. And some of you are here today, and it's a new year, and the credit card bills are coming, and things have been mounting for a long time, and the bills are piling up, the debt is piling up, and I'm here to tell you that, yeah, you have a role in managing that and getting your affairs in order, but I also want you to hear this. He is in control. And part of having relentless trust is when we finally give up our stuff and realize that he is the one who's in control. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Jesus says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be, what does it say? Anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in their barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and you, aren't you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, there's that word again, can add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, Jesus said, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, he won't he not that much more clothe you, O you of little faith. Don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Listen, I know it's the first part of the year. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety about our, the finances in our country, never mind in your own personal financial state. He goes on in verse 33 and says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all those things will be added unto you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Do you hear that? Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I remember being very anxious when I would pull up our bank account. Sweaty palms, fast beating heart. I remember that. And man, once I gave over control um, to God, I've been much better. Not perfect, but much better. And I want to encourage you that some of you are in here today, and it does not look good. He is in control. For some of you, that might be the biggest leap of faith is realizing that you're not in 
control, that God will take care of you. But once you do that, you've taken a step towards having relentless day in and day out faith. He owns it all. I have a role. I'm not in control. Bottom line for you this morning is you can have relentless trust when you acknowledge God's faithfulness from past promises that he's fulfilled. He's taking care of you. It may not seem like that right now, but he has taken care of you. There have been days, there have been moments, there have been periods of time, there have been years when he's taken care of you. If we will focus on his faithfulness, that will give us the ability to have relentless trust. He's faithful, and you can trust him with your future. I want to end this morning with a story from Matthew again. Matthew 4, 19 through 22. It's the story of Jesus calling several of his disciples. You know, it's interesting. We have this idea that these disciples that were with Jesus, these 12 guys, we have this idea that they were down and out, that they maybe have been destitute, and man, all they had was Jesus. You know, like, that's all I got left. I guess I'll follow the guy with the long hair. Um, and we get this idea that that's how they followed Jesus. But at least in several of their cases, that wasn't the case. They had a lot going for them, and they decided to give up control to follow him. Take a look at Matthew 4, 19 through 22. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And what does it say? Immediately, they left their nets, and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And Jesus once again called to them. And immediately... They left their boat and their father, and I'm going to insert a few things here. Their great fishing business, their money, their stuff, what they had worked for all their lives, they left it all, and what did they do? Followed him. That's all in. That's the beginning of what a wholehearted life looks like. It's when we say, hey, my spiritual life and my stuff life, it's all God's. It's all his. I want to be all in. I want to be wholehearted. He owns it all. I have a role. I'm not in control. Father God, I pray that you would help us to hang on to those promises. It's not without responsibility. It's not without some highs and some lows. Father, your promise is, is that you will take care of us. Help those who are in here today who um, maybe they think they own it all. Um, God, I pray that you would help them to realize that it's all yours. All that that we've worked for, the education, the degrees, the experience, the investments, the money, the cars the iPads, the iPhones, all of the stuff. It's not really ours. It's yours, oh God. And I pray that you would pierce our hearts and help us to realize that. I pray that you would be with those who are in here today who feel like that third servant. They're returning one talent to you. I've been there. I know how embarrassing and guilt-ridden that can be. And I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with those who are in here today who their financial life and their stuff life is out of control. And I pray that you would help them to have the courage to go back and find out more information about financial peace so that they can get their affairs in order, so that they can invest what you've given to them. And I pray for 
all of us in here, that you would help us to realize that you've got it. We do our part. You've got it. And Father, I pray that you would just guide us into that place where we say, I'm all in. I want to be wholehearted. Not just my spiritual stuff, but everything. I want to give it up. I want to give it to you. Father God, help us to have that kind of relentless faith. And I pray that you would help us to cling to the promises that you are faithful. And Father God, because you've guided us so far in the past, we can trust you for the future. In Jesus' name I pray.